So story and storytelling and storytellers, we're back looking at the parables this morning. And if you remember a couple of weeks ago when we began this series looking at the parables that Jesus taught, we saw how Jesus was always about telling stories, always communicating with people in a way that was accessible for them. And we saw those weeks ago how Jesus' stories were meant to give people a glimpse of a different world, the world of God. But we also saw how the stories that Jesus was telling as he went about from village to town and encountered people in their daily lives was also to enable them to look at themselves and the world in which they were living and to see things through God's eyes. And if you will, let your memory journey back to those weeks ago when we also saw that how as Jesus was telling these stories, that it often was that it was the religious people or the so-called good or respectable people who weren't so attracted to Jesus. But rather, as Jesus was going around telling these stories, what we see is time and time again that often it was those people who others ignored, those who others despised because they were seen as poor or because they were seen as unclean in terms of the Jewish law that were attracted to what Jesus was saying. And not only were they attracted to what Jesus was saying and who he was, but they could catch on to what he was trying to do and the message that he was trying to share with the world. And as we encounter Jesus in these parables, and as we encounter him moving from town to town and village to village, what we also see is not only did Jesus welcome people such as this, those that everybody else had no time for, but actually he took time to sit down and to eat with them. He invited them to meals. He sat with them and he shared his food with them. And what we see through this simple gesture of Jesus, the Messiah, the Word made flesh, sitting down with these people that were rejected and despised, these people at the lowest levels of society, what we see is Jesus saying, we're equal. What we see is Jesus saying, you know what? We're friends. What we see is Jesus saying, you are acceptable in my sight because I am love with flesh on, and I love you. And what we see is the way that Jesus was claiming to be sharing this message of God that the Father had given to him didn't please the religious and the political leaders at all. Because what we see and have seen in the past as we have journeyed through John's gospel is that Jesus' behavior broke all the rules. And so we come to our reading this morning that Kim has read for us from Matthew chapter 20. And what we see in this story is a story that also breaks all the rules, or at least breaks the rules that would have been expected in the society of the day. Because what we see is Jesus talking, Jesus talking about a landowner and the workers in the vineyard. What we see is Jesus telling people stories 
from scenes of their everyday lives. And right from the outset of this parable, what we see is a challenge. Because if we are following and modeling Jesus who spoke to people in language that they could understand, through situations they were familiar with and scenes they knew from life, what about us this morning as we gather as his church? How are we communicating this gospel with the world around us? How are we sharing? How are we encountering others? Are we making this truth acceptable to their ears or able to be heard in their ears? The stories were from the everyday and from the poor and, and sorry, the stories were from the everyday life of the poor and ordinary people because those stories became a lens through which the people listening were invited to see God. Long before and long after Jesus' time, there was a living culture of telling stories in Judaism. We remember how a couple of weeks ago we thought about how we live in the stories we tell ourselves and how worlds are created by the stories that we tell. Because for people, stories was a way in, a glimpse, a chance to hear a little bit about God. But what we discover is that these stories were always open. These stories never really nail anything down. But rather, these stories are an offer to listen, to reflect, to seek and to find. And Jesus' stories often take place in the stories and the world of slaves, the day laborers and hardworking men, women, and children. The story then of the workers in the vineyard describes an everyday scene from the working world of those days. As we heard Kim read to us early, early in the morning, unemployed men gather in the marketplace and wait for the working day that is beginning. And a landowner wants the grapes picked in his vineyard. Typical seasonal work. But what we need to know, what we need to know is that day laborers were more practical and less expensive for landowners than slaves. Slaves he would, had to have, he would have had to buy and then care for. Instead, interested, of course, in their further capacity for work. Because if you were a slave, you received at least a minimum of bread and care. Whereas day laborers were the kind of slaves at their own risk which means they were days without income and without bread. And because nobody owned you, nobody was really going to make sure that you had anything to eat to keep you going. And these were days of disease. And because nobody owned you, nobody was interested in your health, even if it was only to exploit you again after your recovery. Because what we see is that day laborers were born free, but poverty enslaved them just the same. The living condition of day laborers were more miserable than those of slaves. 
and Jesus. Jesus in this parable shows a very precise knowledge of the working condition of day laborers. The parable gives all the important details. We see how first the landowner hires men for the whole working day, from dawn to dusk. He concludes a contract by mentioning the amount of money they will be paid. They shake hands and it is confirmed. The day laborers know what they will be paid in the evening because the Hebrew Bible requires that of the employer and most employers observe this law. And as we journey through the story that Kim read for us, what we see is the text supposes that one denarius is something like the absolute minimum to survive. However, As we encounter this story, we may wonder to ourselves whether that money would also be enough to feed the laborer's wife and children. The employer. The employer in Jesus' story then hires further laborers in the course of the day. We see in the story how he hires people at nine o'clock, how he hires people at noon, how he hires people at three and at last at five in the evening. And what we discover is that those who were hired last actually will probably only have to do about an hour's work before the sun will set, the day for working will be over, they will be paid, and their chance to go home will come. But what we discover as we read this parable together is that the landowner never really actually mentions any amount of money to the second group, but indicates only that he will pay them a fair wage. He does the same with those who are hired late. And surely the last group can hardly expect money at all, an hour's work. Am I really going to be paid for this? Maybe all the hope I have is that actually maybe the landowner will let me take some of the grapes that I have been picking for him home with me to feed my family. But what we see in the landowner also is someone who is very careful. He's careful not to hire too many people right from the very beginning. He doesn't want to pay more wages than is absolutely necessary. So the pressure on the workers to work quickly and effectively can well be imagined. But in the second part of the story, what we see is a steward is mentioned who supervises the work and pays out the wages. And we come to the evening scene. The landowner, the employer, must have completely changed his mind because he seems to be in a completely different attitude. Because when evening comes, the owner of the vineyard said to his manager, call the laborers and give them their pay, beginning with the last and then going to the first. And what we discover is that when those who were hired last come, they receive what actually would have equated to a full day's wage. So can you imagine 
if you had been part of the, the crew who had started working at the beginning of the day, and you saw those that had begun working last getting paid a full day's wage, what you thought might be coming your way. Surely we have worked really hard. We have put in all the grind. We have put in all the grit and the effort. Surely we will be over rewarded for what we have done, given how generous the landowner has been to those who have only worked an hour. So they come, and what they discover quite quickly is actually they are going to be paid the same. They are going to be given a day's wage. And can you imagine how they must have grumbled amongst themselves? The last of these worked only an hour, and you have made them equal to us who bore the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But then the landowner replies to them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for the usual daily wage? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give the last the same as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or are you envious because I am so generous? The employer in the story pays everyone the full day's wage regardless of how long they have worked. Because he seems to understand that even those, even those who are unemployed and find little work, need something to help them survive. The denarius was the minimum wage a person needed. It would last a person a day. And in paying these wages, the landowner in the story is going by the people's needs rather than their achievements. And time and time again, as we come to these stories, as we learn from these parables, we ask ourselves the questions, well, what is this saying to us? What is this saying to us? What is this saying to us? Well, I think it's saying to us a couple of things. Because in this story, what we see is a picture of God. What we see in this story is how God moves and operates and breathes in his world. We see that God is a God who is generous in compassion. And then a God who issues the challenge to us to, in response, be compassionate in our mission. To be compassionate in the mission that he is calling us to. God is intently interested in people. He sees their needs. This morning, as we move around Belfast, as we go from here back to our homes, what do we do with the needs that we will see? Will we pass them by? Yet, enjoy the generous gifts that God has given to us and think, oh, well, poor person sitting there, what can I do about that? Or can we as individuals and as a community become like the landowner in this story and see the need and respond to it? What is God saying to us? Who is God calling us 
towards? What is God calling us to do? We may not need people to come and work in our vineyard, but we are called to be people of action for God in the world. And this morning, we need to ask ourselves, how can we be caught up in that? Our parable. Our parable, and I will close with this because I know that we're really tight on time this morning. Our parable concludes with the encouragement to us to think that change is possible. Because what this landowner did not only changed the lives of the individuals involved, but it also goes on to change his whole concept of living. Change is possible. And for those that witnessed the change in this story, those who worked long and complained, we are invited to show solidarity and understanding with them. At no time does the parable of the workers in the vineyard draw conclusions to tell us what to do, but rather it presupposes that whoever hears it will relate to it and find ways to establish justice in a similar way as it is established in the story. Small steps. Small steps to help others to survive. And just like the parable leaves it hanging, so will I this morning. And as we go from here, let the question linger and simmer in our minds. What small steps? What small steps can we be involved in to help others survive? What small steps can we be caught up in that actually become actually, in reality, very generous steps because they transform people's whole lives and experiences? Because as we know, and as we have seen, when God is around, we need to be prepared for surprises. Be prepared to think again about what is right and just and fair. Be prepared to change our mind about what goodness and generosity mean in response to the goodness and generosity that he has given to us. And to be prepared to see people in a new light. Let us pray together. Lord, as we encounter you in Scripture, we see that you told great stories. We see how you told stories that help people make sense of their lives. We see how those stories reveal God in the everyday things, and how those stories encouraged and changed people. So we pray, make us more ready to share our stories. Give us words when we are tongue-tied. Confidence to know that our own stories matter. Tact to know the right place to tell them. And also in the week ahead, more importantly, make us ready to listen to others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.